Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, and welcome to Quarter Hills Q4 and Fiscal 2020 Financial Results Conference Call. On this morning's call, we have Paul Hill, President and CEO, and John Rim, Chief Financial Officer. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following management's presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session, during which analysts are invited to ask questions. To ask a question, please press star 1 on your touchtone phone to register. Should you require any assistance during the call, please press star zero. Earlier this morning, Quarter Hill issued a news release announcing its financial results for the three and 12 month periods ended December 31st, 2020. This news release along with the company's MD&A and financial statements will be available on Quarter Hill's website and will be filed on CDAR. Certain matters discussed today during today's conference or conference caller answers that may be given to questions could constitute forward-looking statements. Actual results could differ materially from those anticipated. Risk factors that could affect results are detailed in the company's annual information form and other public filings that are available on CDAR. During this conference call, Quarter Hill will refer to adjusted EBITDA. Adjusted EBITDA does not have any standardized meaning prescribed by IFRS. Please refer to page three of the company's Q4 and fiscal 2020 management's discussion and analysis for our full cautionary notes regarding the use of forward-looking statements and non-IFRS measures. Finally, please note that all financial information provided in this call today is in Canadian dollars, unless otherwise specified. I would now like to turn the meeting over to Mr. Hill. Please go ahead, sir. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, and thanks for joining us on today's call. In terms of agenda, I'll start with a look at business highlights for the year followed by John, and we'll take a look at our financial results. I'll provide an update to our M&A strategy, and then we'll open it up for questions. We have slides to accompany our remarks, and they will be available on our website after the call. 2020 was a solid year for Quarter Hill, both financially and operationally, and even more so against the backdrop of COVID-19. We established new leadership at the company, launched a new M&A strategy, generated significant cash flow and returned funds to shareholders through dividends and share buybacks. Shortly after year end, we began to put our funds to use as part of our M&A strategy with the acquisition of SensorLine, which I'll touch on later. When I joined in June, my list of priorities included hiring a CFO, bringing the leadership team to Toronto, launching our M&A diversification strategy, following through on our commitment to return capital to shareholders and ensuring our portfolio companies were in a position to succeed, especially in this challenging pandemic environment. On the leadership front, John Rim joined as CFO in October and we moved our head office to Toronto. Having the executive team here in Toronto will help with collaboration and deal execution and being downtown puts us closer to more sources of deal flow. Consolidated financial results for 2020 saw revenue of $144.5 million, adjusted EBITDA. Thank you for holding, ladies and gentlemen. We apologize for the interruption. 
there was technical difficulties that resulted in the entire conference being halted. We will now continue with Mr. Hill's remarks. Please go ahead, Mr. Hill. Thank you. Sorry for that, everyone. We're not sure what happened. The whole system went down, but I'll just continue on uh, where, I, where I left off. So consolidated results for 2020 saw revenue of 144.5 million, adjusted EBITDA of 31.2 million, cash from operations of 35.2 million, and we ended the year with cash and short-term investments of 141.3 million. These strong results were driven by both portfolio companies, and I'll spend a few minutes looking at highlights from each, starting with Wyland. 2020 was a solid year for Wyland, with licensing activity that led to strong adjusted EBITDA and cash flows. Wyland has shown an ability to deliver significant cash flows on an annual basis, even though such results sometimes vary quarter to quarter, something that is quite common in the patent licensing industry. Among Wyland's achievements in 2020 was a favorable update in its litigation with Apple. Following a jury verdict win in January 2020 of 85.23 million US, in June, the court entered final judgment in favor of Wyland. The court also awarded Wyland an additional amount of 23.75 million in prejudgment interest, bringing the total to $108.98 million US. The case has gone to appeal and both sides have filed their opening briefs. Each party is now preparing to file a response, which should be completed in a month or two. Following that, an oral hearing before the Court of Appeals for the Federal Circuit is expected to be held sometime in the fall. Wyland continues to plan for future growth and made several portfolio acquisitions in 2020, including approximately 2,000 patents from MediaTek and two portfolios from IBM. COVID-19 has had some impact on Wyland's business, mainly driven by the postponement of some litigations in the US, as well as an, in as an inability to hold face-to-face -face meetings, which is an important part of the deal closing process. As we've said before, these postponements may result in delays concluding agreements, but we do not consider them lost opportunities. Overall, we're very pleased with the 2020 results at Wyland and its resilience in light of the pandemic. IRD, which is our business in the intelligent transportation systems or ITS industry, had a strong year financially with stable revenues and expanded margins. COVID had some impact on the business, but mainly in international markets where some projects were delayed. IRD's North American business remained strong throughout the year, with the company's solutions deemed essential services in many U.S. states. IRD saw multiple new orders in 2020, including Oklahoma, New York State, and Indiana, and internationally in the Ukraine and Paraguay. The order backlog remained strong, with bookings reaching historic levels in 2020. Overall, the outlook for IRD remains positive. The company is helping cash-strapped governments drive efficiencies and improve revenue collection, which is a value proposition that resonates at all times, but especially during a pandemic. As discussed throughout the year, we made commitments to return capital to shareholders via a substantial issuer bid and a normal course issuer bid. We completed the SIB in July, and the NCIB remains ongoing. In addition to these two initiatives, we continue to pay our quarterly dividend. Finally, in May, we sold Visio, which was our enterprise software holding, 
for just under $50 million. The transaction further strengthened our balance sheet and enables us to focus additional resources on our M&A strategy. With that, I'll turn it over to John for a look at the 2020 financial highlights. Thanks, Paul. Good morning, everyone. Uh, just a quick note up front that uh, with the sale of Visi, our financial statements for the three and 12 month periods ending December 31st, 2020, as well as for the respective comparison periods in 2019, have been prepared to reflect continuing operations. Therefore, uh, excluding the results of Visia during those periods. Operating results from Visia for 2019 and 2020 are reported as net income or loss from discontinued operations. So I'll start off my review with a look at revenue in more detail. Uh, 2020 was a strong year for both business units. IRD's revenues for Q4 and fiscal 2020 of 17.6 million and 66.3 million were both among the highest in its history despite the impact of the pandemic. IRD's revenues were generally flat in 2020 compared to 2019 as increased revenues in the US market in 2020 were largely offset by a reduction in international sales due to COVID, which delayed or deferred some sales opportunities. Wyland's revenues were below 2019 levels, but still substantial at $78.3 million for the year. New patent license agreements, such as those with Intel, Kingston Technology Corporation, and Conoco Minolta, led the way at Wyland in 2020. While Wyland's revenue may be variable quarter to quarter, on an annual basis, the business has shown an ability to consistently generate strong margins and cash flow. Cash flows are a good source of capital to invest in our ITS M&A strategy, and also to invest in the Wyland business itself, as seen by the patent acquisitions we made in 2020. For gross margin, uh, gross margin at IRD in 2020 was 40% compared to 36% in 2019. This was the result of certain higher margin projects that we entered into during the year, such as with the state of Indiana. Uh, gross margins at Wyland were 41% in 2020 compared to 50% in 2019. And again, this is just due to the fact that gross margins on licensing are very specific to each transaction. Operating expenses. So for operating expenses in Q4 2020 on a consolidated basis, they were $1.2 million lower than Q4 in 2019. For the full year 2020, um, our SG&A was lower by $6.6 million compared to 2019, and this was primarily due to lower amortization of intangibles. Throughout the pandemic, we've kept a close eye on our expenses at both the corporate level and, of course, our portfolio companies. One note to highlight is that included in our 2020 SG&A are one-time costs related to the implementation of a brand new ERP system uh, to support our IRD business. This solution will directly support our M&A growth plans by driving back office efficiencies as acquired companies are added to our ITS portfolio. IRD's adjusted EBITDA for Q4 and the full year was $3.6 million and $13.8 million respectively, compared to $3.1 million and $8.3 million in the respective prior, period, prior year periods. 
This was partly due to the margin, higher margin on projects, as well as additional subsidies received in 2020. The adjusted EBITDA at YLAN was 28.8 million compared to 50.1 million in 2019. As I mentioned before, the revenue and adjusted EBITDA um, at YLAN are dependent on specific licensing agreements. However, uh, YLAN's financial performance remains rem uh, remarkably consistent on an annual basis, as is evident by the fact that the business has generated significant adjusted EBITDA in six of the past seven years. From a cash perspective, cash from operations was $35.2 million in 2020, which drove an increase in the cash on our balance sheet. I'm pleased to report that cash and cash equivalents and short-term investments year-end were $141.3 million, up significantly from the $89.4 million we had at the end of 2019. In terms of total working capital, we ended the year with $159.7 million, and that's up also from $112.2 million at the end of 2019. I'm also pleased to report that Quarter Hill currently has no debt, having paid off the small uh, balance that we had as IRD accessed its uh, operating line during 2020. And our strong balance sheet will continue to help support our M&A strategy in 2021 and beyond. Paul mentioned earlier, we returned capital to our shareholders through our dividends, as well as to share buybacks while the M&A strategy was paused earlier on in the year. In total, we deployed about $15 million in 2020 on the dividends and share buybacks. And our share count at the end of the year was 114.3 million, down from about 118.8 million at the prior year end. Finally, uh, this morning in our earnings release, we announced details of our next dividend payment. Our board has declared an eligible dividend of 1.25 cents per share, payable on April 9th, 2021 for shareholders, of record on March 19th, 2021. So this concludes my review of the financial results, and I'll now turn the call back to Paul. Thanks, John. The M&A strategy at a high level hasn't changed from what I outlined in Q2. However, the market tailwinds have improved significantly since then. Building from our two cash-flowing businesses, Wyland and IRD, we're investing in essential technologies in the ITS industry. This is an industry where IRD is, is a leader today. ITS improves the way people and goods move through transportation infrastructures. It makes that movement safer, more efficient, cleaner for the environment, and less costly. It also creates revenue opportunities for governments. As I've said earlier, ITS is a large, stable, and growing market with annual spend in the tens of billions of dollars. And in recent months, this market opportunity has only gotten stronger. Slide eight illustrates the key tailwind in the ITS industry and, and, and what's new. What's new is new infrastructure spending. President Biden and his Transportation Secretary, Pete Buttigieg, have pledged $2 trillion in infrastructure spending over the next 10 years, with approximately $900 billion earmarked for transportation. While not all of the $900 billion is allocated to roads, historically about half of federal spending is on roads. This market tailwind gives us, gets us very excited about the potential for our ITS business. 
The combination of massive new infrastructure spending and government's need for new sources of revenue to pay down ever-increasing debt from the COVID uh, situation means that there is no better time to be in the ITS market. So what types of businesses are we looking for? The next slide is a simplified version of the chart I showed you on the Q2 call, but the overall approach remains the same. The initial phase will focus on acquisitions in the five road market segments identified here. We're looking at tuck-in acquisitions, such as SensorLine, that will help grow the IRD business, but we're also looking at larger businesses that will help us achieve scale more rapidly. SensorLine was an ideal tuck-in opportunity. Their advanced fiber optic sensors play a role in multiple road subsegments and also gives us an entry into the rail vertical. The business was acquired at a reasonable multiple and there's potential for additional revenue and cost synergies in the coming years. Longer term, you could see us looking at adjacencies to ITS, which might include investments in smart cities. This is a natural evolution of the business as these are tech enabled infrastructure markets and are very similar to ITS. There are many enabling technologies that make connected ITS and smart cities possible, but 5G is the most important. This is a standard where YLAN has expertise and can play an important role in the future. Based on our existing cash, the annual cash generation of our businesses, and access to low interest financing, our target is to invest up to $400 million over the next five years to scale our ITS business. Meeting this target will depend on many factors, including sourcing appropriate market opportunities. However, we are confident, given our significant financial resources and our growing pipeline of M&A opportunities. Successful execution of this strategy will lead to greater consistency of revenue and cash flows for Quarter Hill, and we expect that to translate to increased investor interest and higher valuation that is more in line with other public ITS companies. In closing, 2020 was a solid year for the business despite the challenges of COVID-19, and we entered 2021 with a stronger platform to support our M&A strategy. We kicked off the new year on a positive note with the acquisition of SensorLine, and we believe the timing could not be better to be an aggregator in the ITS industry. While we can't predict the timing to complete new deals, we do expect 2021 to be an active year on the M&A front. This concludes our formal remarks for the call, and I'll hand it back to the operator for Q&A. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please proceed to press star, then one on your telephone keypad. Again, that is star one to ask a question. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Your first question today comes from the line of Gavin Fairweather with Cormark. Please proceed with your question. Hey there, good morning. Hey, Gavin. 
I wanted to start out on Wildland. I mean, we, we've talked over the past six months about there being, you know, a, a decent amount of kind of activity, um, you know, going on under the hood there. I guess just curious, you know, hit a bit of an air pocket this quarter. Was that just kind of timing or was there anything around kind of success rates this quarter? Maybe you could just speak to give us an update on that general level of kind of activity as we think about 2021. No, it's just it's it's the uh, the periodic nature of the IP licensing business. It's it's not, not an indication of anything more than that. We are very active, as we've talked about, uh, with lots of active um, licensing discussions and litigations underway. Um, so no, it's uh, it's nothing more than that. Okay, perfect. Um, and then I just wanted to switch over to IRD here. Um, yep. You know, as you've been kind of mapping out, you know, what kind of products and solutions you'd like, obviously M&A is, is a big piece of that, but um, I'm curious what, what role kind of building could take in that. And as I look at kind of IRD, you know, they, they, they don't invest a ton um, as a proportion of their revenue in R&D. So do you see, you know, good scope there to, to build out some additional kind of product offerings in that market or or do you think that M&A will be kind of the, the primary way of entering new verticals and, and bringing new products to market? Uh, it's a bit of both, Gavin. It's, it's um, like the announcement we made in November around our new analytics platform is organic, right? So that's organic R&D. And it's an exciting announcement because we're putting together capabilities from ICOMS, which is our Belgian um, company that's in the radar and microwave detection market. We're combining that with software capability for analytics uh, and enabling that on a 4G platform. So we're kind of bringing it all together in that way. But as you know, ICOMS was an acquisition, right? So, so some of the hardware components that came out of that came through an acquisition and some of the software development was organic. So it's going to be a combination of both, quite frankly. Okay, but it doesn't sound like we should think about kind of R&D investment moving to 10% or 15% of... No, I don't, I don't see material changes in that. I think a lot of it will be M&A, absolutely, um, especially getting into markets where we don't play today. As you know. Got it. And then um, you, know, you talked about the favorable kind of tailwinds that are building behind ITS, you know, maybe yeah. more broadly. Um, and then you also talked about, you know, pretty good kind of deal pipeline. So have you, have you noticed that that competition is increasing for deals or, or you know, is, is the environment kind of unchanged as to what we've been speaking about? Well, like I said in the remarks, I mean, we, we have a very strong backlog at IRD. I think it was at a historic high ending the year, right? So um, there is a lag effect. So basically what's going on is there was a change of government in the U.S. and Biden has has picked probably the highest profile cabinet minister, Pete Buttigieg, to lead transportation. Right. Mm -hmm. So they're they're very vocal about the infrastructure spending. Um, they've passed uh, two trillion dollars, uh, but there will it will take time for that funding to work its way through the various layers of government. And so you know it's, it's not you don't just hit a switch and that money's deployed, right? But the, the bottom line is a big, a significant portion of that is going to go to roads. And when you build a road, you have to um, acquire a number of ITS technologies ranging from digital signage to tolling to weigh in motion technology, which we're a leader in, radar, um, speed cameras, all of that stuff comes along with um, the infrastructure investment in roads. 
And the same applies to rail, by the way. So, so we really like how this is setting up, uh, how the ITS market is setting up and the tailwinds that we think are, are ahead of us here. So we think the timing is very good for this market. Got it. And then just lastly, before I pass the line, it sounds like the Supreme Court is looking pretty hard at these patent judge appointments. And it, it sounds like they're leaning towards kind of some change to the process. Is that kind of a, do you view that as a tweak around the edge or do you, do you see that as actually potentially having some favorable kind of tailwinds behind the IP uh, business? Um, I, I think it's I think it's too early to say, to be honest with you. I think um, we have seen some favorable news lately, um, but it, I, I would say it's early to make that kind of conclusion that would make a material difference in some of these um, cases. Okay, I'll pass the line. Thanks so much. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Doug Taylor with Canaccord Genuity. Please proceed with your question. Yeah, thank you. Uh, good morning, Paul and John. Um, we're pretty well conditioned not to read too much into these, you know, quarterly fluctuations in the Wyland business. But I mean, I wonder if you could provide, you know, a little more color around. I mean, uh, you know, there's some some announcements during the quarter. One at the beginning, which I think probably was recognized more in Q3. Um, and you make the you know mention of the fact that so there's some deals and licenses slipping due to you know pandemic, and I'm just wondering if you could help us quantify you know to what extent or magnitude that might be a factor, and and you know whether we should expect at least uh, some uptick here in Q1 uh, with the LG announcement. Well, with LG specifically, we can't comment. I mean, these deals are uh, almost all of these uh, settlements are confidential in nature. Um, we believe we got a fair um, a conclusion to that uh, litigation, um, is what I can say. Um, you know, like we said before, uh, the the Land business we find to be quite reliable when you zoom out and look at it more from an annual basis, but on a quarterly basis, um, it, it does have variability. And um, we can't really say much more than that. I mean, that is the nature of the business. I will say that we continue to uh, replenish the portfolios. We made some patent acquisitions last year, as we mentioned in my remarks. Um, we are, you know, confident that um, the activity is going in the right direction. I think the COVID effect is starting to soften, right? Um, in the early days of COVID, we saw a lot of delays and we saw that kind of ripple through, but we're starting to see these meetings take place. We're starting to see a bit more activity in that regard. So I think we're at the ending um, innings of, of the COVID impact to delays, which I think is, 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 um, is positive. Okay. Um, perhaps I'll switch gears then to, to IRD. Um, you mentioned the analytics platform that was launched in the quarter. Um, you know, any uh, comment on you know perhaps the significance of that announcement in terms of either you know addressable market or the revenue model predictability of the revenue model, more service versus hardware. Uh, you know, anything like that we we should take away from from that product announcement. It's it's a listen. These are these are early, uh, ranging from pilots. We're doing a pilot in Vancouver right now. We are live in uh, Brussels and Paris with some of this capability. But these smart city applications are in the early inning. 
we want to be um, one of the first to market in some of these applications. In this case, these applications are more, mostly around safety. So it has to do with measuring things like speed, volume, direction of bikes and pedestrians and cars to understand um, some of those flows and to do planning to make cities safer and more efficient. Um, so, you know, th th these types of investments in smart cities, these are the early stages of smart city investments. Um, so they're not super material to results in the short term, but we're excited about the long-term opportunity around these things. Okay, and then on with the sensor line acquisition tuck in, but you know any 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 commentary on you know uh, the integration of that with the IRD product, uh, you know a couple months in. Yeah, it's going really well. Uh, we, we've we've already we're already pursuing deals that are essentially deals brought to us through um, the IRD sales and marketing distribution, and so you know Centerline basically is, was a is a relatively small company with great technology, but was lacking the scale on sales and marketing. So the, what we're doing is basically putting that product capability onto our sales and marketing platform through, through the IRD distribution channel. And we're already seeing um, some um, early gains from that. So we're very encouraged by it. It's off to a good start. Okay. it's uh, good to hear. Uh, last one for me, um, uh, corporate overhead costs. Uh, a little bit of an uptick uh, towards the end uh, in Q4. Uh, anything to to take away from that, or one time in nature that we should should think about when we model that going forward? Yeah, I can take that one. Uh, so, I, you know, I mentioned during my uh, commentary that we had uh, one time costs um, associated with the ERP system implementation uh, at IRD. Um, that's going to help us grow and scale as we add companies, um, meet all, all of our continuous reporting requirements, as well as bring other back office efficiencies as well. So definitely there is that one-time one -time cost in there. Okay, just clarifying that that was in Q4 uh, as opposed to spread out over the year. Um, okay, uh, thank you very much. I will pass the line. Thank you. And again, ladies and gentlemen, if you would like to ask a question, please press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. Your next question comes from the line of Todd Copeland with CIBC. Please proceed with your question. Uh, yeah, good morning, everyone. Morning. Uh, thanks, for the, thanks for the color today. Um, I have a couple of questions. I'll just uh, run through them here. Uh, so just, I just want to I guess uh, be clear on that last expense question. So you were more or less 414 million, excuse me, uh, OPEX in the fourth quarter. Is that a, a reasonable run rate as we think about the business uh, through 2021? Um, I, I would say that's uh, pretty indicative. I mean, I would probably take the four quarters and take an average of that. Um, remember, we had our, uh, I, I just joined in the fourth quarter of last year. Paul joined halfway through the year. But uh, I think that would be a good uh, proxy. Okay. Okay. Um, and in terms of IRD seasonality, is there, you know, we're sort of not out of COVID, but sort of poking our heads out. Is there, is there any, any, anything to call out along those lines as you're thinking about? Um, the rhythm of the business this year? There's absolutely, uh, 
in normal course of seasonality with IRD, as you as you can imagine in North America with the weather um, and, and doing outdoor installations, the weather does have an impact. So typically Q1 would be um, would be impacted by the seasonality in IRD and then ramping up through the through the spring and summer months. Yeah, I agree. Uh, although I would say co the the effects of the of COVID on project delays is is less than it was uh, kind of a year ago. Okay, that's good to hear. Um, and I apologize if I missed this, but this seemed like it was news to me. Uh, you calling out 400 million over the next few years in terms of your investment plan is. Am I oh, right on true. that, or did I? Yeah, you are. You are right on that. Yeah, you are right on oh, that. That is, that okay. is new information, and we've started modeling that uh, more carefully. And that is our goal, and we think it's very achievable. Yeah. Um, sorry, did you give a time frame on that? Was it four years, or just a few years, or what? What? I, I missed that. If there was a, uh, a timeline around that. Five years. Oh, five years. Okay, got it. Got it. My, my apologies for that. Um, I mean, is there is there anything to say beyond that in terms of, you know, pace, rhythm? I mean, you're just gonna work through the the funnel and make decisions as you uh, as you come across opportunities. Uh, is there is is there is there any other color you can? Yeah, I mean, I just the way to the way to kind of think about it is, uh, I mean, first of all, we have cash on the balance sheet, as you know. We've got, um, mm -hmm. I mean, these days there's, there's um, access to very low interest capital um, debt, and we're not allergic to that idea. Um, and as we acquire businesses, those businesses will also generate uh, cash flow that will contribute as well. So. If you model all that out, you know, you, you, you can get kind of a cadence. But I have said also in the past that we do want to maintain a certain amount of cash on the balance sheet, right? That's another thing. So, uh -huh. um, but the combination of those things, if you model it, um, gets you into a comfortable range where, you know, we can, we can acquire uh, up to that value over a four to five year period. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay. And what is the right leverage on the business, I guess, with choppy Wyland results, although, you know, they generate a lot of cash when they happen. How are you thinking about that? So, well, I wouldn't necessarily assume you would leverage the entire business. You, you might, for example, uh, leverage only the acquired asset, right? I see. Okay. So, uh, or the ITS uh, components of our business as opposed to the entire quarter hill group. Okay. Okay. Fair right. enough. There's different, there's different strategies you can take from a debt standpoint. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Yeah, but the, okay. the basic, the basic concept though, would be that, you know, as we acquire companies, they become the collateral, right? And then, um, you know, the cash they generate, they need to be able to service the, um, any financing that we get. So the leverage levels that we pick are going to be incredibly conservative so that we're comfortably within any sort of financial covenants, uh, generally multiples of EBITDA um, in terms of debt leverage uh, and very safe, um, you know, fixed cost coverage ratios. So, uh -huh. so it just, it, yeah. it just, you know, obviously um, enhances our capability to accelerate and move on opportunities quicker. 
uh, and optimize our capital allocation. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so 145 million cash, probably 40, 50 million cash to keep in the business. So you sort of have a hundred to start and, and then what you generate plus the, the, the leverage, the leverage possibilities of what you're going to buy. Is that, is that sort of the right way to think about it? Yeah, I, although I would I would just caution with the 40 to 50. I mean, we've we've mentioned that before in the past. I mean, that is that is quite a healthy level. I mean, the basic concept there in our wineland business is, um, you know, with IP and patent infringement litigation, we want to demonstrate the ability to go long, um, and uh, and that's critical because we're not going to settle. We're going to optimize those um, those opportunities. But really, the, the cash that we hold, um, it re it's really dependent on the circumstances at the time. So it could yeah. be okay. less than well. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that's uh, that's certainly fair. And is there is there any, um, I guess, timing statements you want to make on the funnel right now? <laughs> um, or yeah, yeah. That's basically it. Well, yeah. Like, do you think you'll do a deal in 2021? You think you'll do a couple deals in 2021? Oh yeah, no, no. It, listen, uh, it, the M&A pipeline is very active, and it's a very high priority. Um, yeah, so we are very, uh, very optimistic about doing some deals in 2021. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, great. I uh, appreciate the uh, the color, and uh, yeah, good luck. Nice, nice to see the strategy coming together here. Yeah, great. Thanks, Todd. And at this time, there are no further questions in queue. I will turn the call back to Mr. Hill for closing remarks. Well, thanks, everyone, for attending. And um, we will be back to you on our next uh, quarterly call. Look forward to talking to you then. Goodbye. And this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.